seemingly apparently never ends yeah yeah it's a surprise it's like the spanish inquisition never expect you know <laughs> i mean what can i say i don't know what happened yesterday i had performance pressure hey you know what that's that's never happened before <laughs> it must be your fault because this has never ha happened to me or maybe i had too much to drink i just couldn't get the show up no matter how Hard, I tried, I couldn't get it up. The show, which has never happened to me before. Today, I mean. Anyway, it doesn't make a difference. Regular writers reign, and the difference is 24 hours, it would have been a fundamentally different show. Your show might be scattered, or it might not be scattered. The thoughts might congeal or cohere around the point I wanted to make yesterday before the 24 hour of news cycle changed things around change things around this functional podcaster. We're going to start, uh, my wife had a great idea, we're going to start a cooking show too on the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper channel. We have the JJB, we got the Intermittent You Kill Me film reviews for reprobates, which we can still run even though we're not going out to movies because of COVID-19. And we have a new one. It's the Angry Guy Cooking Show. Oh, you think that's funny? It's not funny. Well, we're like we're clowns to you. Huh? Like we're here to amuse you. Angry guy cooking show. Ah, yeah, we'll see. And, and you know what? It's the counter. A friend of mine once described them. That whole NPR shtick is like they have voices like macrame. Something that people do that they enjoy apparently, but it just sounds. Oh, I'm a I'm a great cook. Everybody knows that. Like Cab Calloway say, everybody eats. When they come to my house, <laughs> they eat the same thing. But <laughs> that's not the point. The point is, 
Yesterday, we had a major kerfuffle, screw up, snafu. And I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you what happened. I, 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 YouTube studio was fucking me. And after about an hour and 20 minutes, I realized, hey, you know what? Let me tell you, you know, a good man's got to know his limitations. I got stuff to do. And I had to get to jujitsu early this morning. It was great going to jujitsu in the middle of the plague. Anyway, we'll get into that in a second. At the top of the hour, as I mentioned, the payout from Patreon for February was $10.15. Now, I suspect that's largely because I haven't put up the new shows since like 1999. So I've got like six shows to put up. I'll put them up after the show uh, or early tomorrow. Uh, but uh, but many of you are just going to pinko95014 at yahoo.com. And you could just pay, you could PayPal the money right there. Uh, um, uh, uh, anyway, uh, um, I'm not going to go on with the commercial. Um, but if I, if I could show you the bottom peeling off, my goal, thank you, Raleigh. My goal is by the end of this year, and I'm loath to, tra- to trade in this Mac, MacBook Pro because it's got a, it's got a, um, what do you call it? It's got, you could put a, the, the DVDs in it. It's got a DVD drive. And the new ones don't because they figured, oh, everything lives on the web. But you know what doesn't live on the web? All the DVDs I have. Oxbow shows and and um, mostly I got this great Oxbow show of me attacking an audience member and getting into some terrible fight in Washington, D.C. But I've got other stuff. i got some Russ Meyer movies. Actually, the Russ Meyer movies on VHS. But I, that's not the point. The point is I don't want to have to buy a drive to plug in, but I guess I'm going to have to because eventually after 12 years, this is going to crap out. Not, I mean, I can see the insides of the computer from the bottom and because the screws all fell out. Not my fault, Apple's fault, but that's not what we're here to talk about. The commercials are done. V105, the real V105. So a um, COVID-19, and some of you have been asking me um, on the Instagrams, and the Twitter machine, you've been asking me about my, my, my take, you know, because you, you expect me to be down with the conspiracy, you know, or the conspiracy theory, to which I say, conspiracy fact! It's not a theory, it's a fact. Um, but the first thing I've done is to, I, I, gave, I gave my men, and there are two of them, I gave my men who have lived, who have chosen to live in far out places, Genghis and Jimmy Rawls, uh, for the express purpose of days like today. <laughs> and I called them both. Genghis is going to write a piece for me, God willing. And uh, and so uh, Jim Rawls kind of gave me the high hand. It said, uh, he writes a survivalist uh, text, as it had several books on the bestseller list. If you watched Ozzy Confidential, I did an Ozzy Confidential from him. He and I used to work together at Defense Electronics Magazine and C3I. Uh, Command Control Communications and Intelligence Journal way, uh, and uh, Defense Computing way back in the day. He's an Army Intelligence Officer, and he's blew the whole program and now writes books in the name Jim Rawls, James Rawls, James Wesley Rawls, a trick he got from uh, G. Gordon Liddy. He says, make sure they remember your name. So he's taken somehow uh, James Wesley, comma, Rawls, and James Rawls, comma, Wesley, um, but I go, you know, you guys, I got to give you a moment. You guys got to be in seventh heaven now. And, and, and I thought of this because some guy at my job where I was going until a few days ago uh, said to me, Eugene, you're a hypochondriac. You must be you must just be dying here. And I remember reading something from a war correspondent who had an anxiety disorder. And this war correspondent with the anxiety disorder, she said they said, well, how is it that you've got this anxiety disorder that's so bad, like when you're in New York, you can't leave your apartment, but yet, yet you've been like parachuting into Lebanon and, and Iraq and Afghanistan and war zones. And she goes, well, it's funny the way that works, right? Uh, um, it, it's, like, it's like when somebody who's hyperactive takes Ritalin, it has the exact opposite effect. Or rather, if you have somebody who doesn't, who doesn't have a hyperactive disorder and they take Ritalin, it acts like speed and speeds them up. For somebody suffering from a hyperactive disorder, it actually slows them down. So she said, in, the, in a similar way, she feels completely relaxed when the level of danger, the level of actual danger 
has risen to to her perceived uh, her, her perception of the level of danger. And this is what I said to the guy at my job who was like, uh, um, <laughs> that's very funny. Uh, no, no, the problem is they were wiping their asses and, and then they were wiping their hands on their asses and then wiping down the counters with the hands that they wiped on their asses and then the tabletops just to top it off until last week. That's what they were doing. So the guy is a young guy in my, my office. I, so I said to him, I go, the reality of it is now that the rest of you are freaking out, like I'm always freaking out, I'm completely relaxed. You don't know this. And maybe I've alluded to it, but it's become a, a routine punchline at the Serial. It cracks me up. The woman on his, his answering machine for the Serial Academy mispronounces the Serial name on the Academy machine. It's great. That's why I said Serial. I'm smelling burning hair. Does that mean I'm having a heart attack? Uh, anyway, any, a, a, anyway, he's, it's a, become a punchline that, you know, between roles, I go over to the Purell thing, I w- wipe my hands, and sometimes I'll take this stuff and I'll put it around my face and around my eyes and the ports of disease. Yes, exactly. Neil is, <laughs> Neil is thriving times like this. So, uh, so... <laughs> So um, it's a big joke. Where's Eugene? Oh, he's wiping his head. Oh, you know. And like sometimes if a guy go, I'll make my partner, I'll say inhale. He goes, what do you mean? I go, inhale so I can hear if you're congested. Inhale. And the guy's like, nah, okay, get over there. No, don't touch me. I'm like the second oldest guy in the gym. I don't need it. I don't need the grief. And they've been laughing and joking and joking and laughing. Well, you know what I call today? I call today when the laughter stops. That's what I call today. <laughs> when the laughter stops. Now, no, but now everybody's like freaking out and they're, and they're okay with the elbow bump to start. I'm like rolling with a guy today. And yeah, I rolled today. Seven o'clock this morning, me and Marty G were there. And that's it. Well, and then, and then, and then uh, Timmy. Timmy, the second strongest man in the gym, who will crossfit your ass. He runs his crossfit Apollo Alto. Great guy. He uh, he he uh, he shows up late as usual, and um, suddenly it seems so crazy to get up between walk over to the thing and do it. Suddenly it seems so crazy to 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 mop the mat at the. Suddenly it didn't seem so crazy. So. The, the conspiracy has been trying to pull me into a discussion about whether it was creating the lab there in Wuhan. Uh, apparently, it's some acronym, some three-letter acronym of some company that makes. And, and you got to understand, it's kind of like the the old philosophy one hundred and one question about God. Could God make a rock that He can't lift? And you know, people answer different ways. Well, yes. Well, then He can't lift it, so then He can't do it. Oh, he's not. He's not all powerful. And then ultimately, the answer is. The answer is, well, God is also perfectly logical and making a rocket you can't lift is perfectly illogical. It would never come up, which seems to me sort of a cop-out, but I got you. So what I'm saying is in this instance, whether it was created in a lab, whether it's a fiction, um, if you listen to Dave Emery when he was talking about uh, a, a, a totalitarian takeover of the U.S., he said, and he tied it into religions and cults, and, of course, the burgeoning Nazi menace. And he said, you get people so keyed up to believe everything, they'll believe anything. If I could develop in a secret black budget lab a 3D hologram of Jesus Christ and make it materialize in the, cr- in the clouds to come down and say, I have returned, kill everybody with a letter, with a letter T in their name, people would start doing it. If I created the illusion of some outside enemy, aliens, if, if I could say if I, aliens or, uh, um, or, or, or give it a religious cast, demons, angels, all of those, those now they have this, this, this black hole, not black hole, but this mystery space in space that's, you know, that's gobbling up celestial. It's like a, like a celestial eddy. 
you know, when the wave when the waves go out and you see these like swirling, uh, swirling, uh, kind of, uh, oh God, what do you call it? Yeah, with things <laughs> down the water, well, not opposite of a tornado, but it goes down the water. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> In space, and it's consuming things. It's like we have we have universes inside universes. Brian Green, who's on Joe Rogan show, the string connecting them, the degree of separation is me. Went to high school with string. Uh, uh, he was a captain of the wrestling team with string theory guy. We don't know what's going on out there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Whether it was created, whether it was accidental, what does it, what, what makes a difference is not the, is not the Reichstag fire. It's not the Bay of Tonkin. It's not the Bay of Pigs. It's what happens the day after the Bay of Pigs or the day after the Gulf of Tonkin or the day after the Reichstag fire. That's what happens. So you've heard me tell this story before many a time of, and I've written about it on Ozzy. Somebody could look it up. Um, no, I don't even remember what it was called. Uh, if you go, I, I, I'll show you right now. Because the, I wrote about, if you just type in, let's see if it comes up. Ozzy, see how good this search engine is. Ozzy Y and the name Jake Action. And see what comes up. And what comes up by my thing is, uh no that's not it that's not it oh my god we got a really lousy search engine oh it's dude man hey fuck you bro ah, 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 ah. i was gonna talk about that you little prick but you you, you revealed yourself too late hey everybody that's blevin flip punk oh 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 you poop eater you're a poop eater. Ah, ah, ah. I got you, you prick. Ah, 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 ah. Sorry. So long. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. All right, let me get rid of this guy. Remove. Ah, dude, man. He shows up at different person. He watches me religiously every week. Yeah, a guy I know used to say, you love me too much. We're going to talk about that later. Anyway, Jake Action. Oh, here it is. No. What a, what a, what a sad and pathetic man. Where is it? Jake Action. How come I can't find it? Anyway, that's not the point. The point is I'm walking down uh, uh, Broadway on San Francisco. And it's a, it was a, a, a triple... A triple date, a double blind date. And the guys were so excited about the women. You, can, you can't down a shalala of me on, the, you know, uh, on my own show. He was with some nice girls from Mills College. Decided to go out with us punk rockers. One guy was a, uh, Jake Action was an engineer actually at Intel. And they're ahead of me. And they're walking down the street. And I'm, uh, they were like walking too fast. And I'm trying to hang back because there's, they're two sisters. And one of the sisters is more attractive than the other. And I'm really going for the more attractive sister. But the more attractive sister is like a year younger. So she's ceding the ground to her older sister, who I'm not as attracted to. So I figure, okay, look, I walk slowly and it could be a gap. And then, but then I see all these police cars on Broadway driving the wrong way in San Francisco. Sirens blur. And uh, these guys are Jake, Jake, John, Jake, Jake, John, 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 Jake, Jake, Jake. They don't, they don't hear me. And they get to the corner, and I just stop. I just stop. Cars screech up to them. The cops come out, beat them with nightsticks. Apparently, unbeknownst to the rest of us, a John who wrote about in the piece, uh, I thought it would be a hoot to break into a, a paddy wagon and steal a couple of mag lights and a couple of police hats. One police hat and a couple of mag lights. And he had a bunch of crystal meth on him, which nobody knew at the time. Read it on Ozzy.com. Somehow I'll, I'll find the link before I'll put it up or I'll put it up in, in the comments after the show. The point is, the point is, the point is that after I, I'm calling the Jake, John, John, Jake, Jake, after the Reichstag fire, after the Gulf of Tonkin, after the Bay of Pigs, if you don't make 
a much needed adjustment. If you don't make a much needed adjustment, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What happened after the Reichstag fire? And what happened after the, the Gulf of Tonkin? Huh? What happened after the Bay of Pigs? In other words, it's what, what is that great thing that they talk about on crime phases? It's it, it's the it's the left jab, it's a drop the head into the left jab, and then the one over the top. It's a secondary one. So I'm watching people fist fight in the supermarkets, somebody rumors or actual occurrences of people shooting each other over fucking toilet paper. It didn't take much, did it? It really didn't take much at all. It didn't take much at all. Shove from the left, push from the right, boom, right where you where they want you. But I'm haunted. Yes, the Cuban Missile Crisis. I'm haunted. I remember reading a book about a guy who was like, hey, 1933 Germany, things are getting a little hot. Things are getting a little hot. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I got it. I'm going to move east. Fuck this. Dude goes into Poland. Another guy says things are getting a little hot. I'm not digging here at Berlin. I'm going to go west. Goes to the U.S. A third guy. You may have heard this before. A third guy makes it to the U.S. And says, you know what? Much like that guy during the Gulf War, he goes, there's money to be made in Berlin. Gets on a boat, goes back to Berlin, or in this case, to Berlin, an American citizen. Two of the three of these guys died in the next seven years in Germany, including the American citizen. Yeah, it doesn't take much. They punched a nurse in the eye. The only guy that lived is the guy who went west. I was talking to the wife about it. She goes, you know, it's not that easy if you have, you know, if you have family. Yeah, and this is the discussion that they had in Heat, the movie Heat. So you got to pick up, you got to leave. Silence and violence. You make your moves. I'm buying 10,000 packets of toilet paper. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Stock it up with water and generators. I'm not saying that these are foolish things to do. I'm saying, I'm saying, why now? Don't fall for the okie doke. This is something patriot safe, uh, uh, patriot safe in the backyard. I've been doing this shit for years, and people have been laughing at me for years. Now, this whole show is not going to be in a, a Eugene Robinson, Eugene S. Robinson, I told you so show. That's not what it's going to be. Not at all. Not at all. But and I and and if you think that I'm saying that this is nothing, that this is hey, look, you have to, you know, you have, you know what, you know what a good work is when it's so close to being real, you can't tell a difference. And if I gotta kill a few thousand people to get that to happen. You know, a friend of mine was from Soviet Georgia, Georgia, Stalin's Georgia. And I asked him about that. And he said, you know, people say it wasn't Stalin. I got something in my eye. They say it was people around him. We all knew this was coming like 20 years ago. People are willing to abrogate their civil rights and willing to do this. It's fine. 
I'm okay with staying inside. I'm a homebody. Oh my God, I got such a good mind. I like staying up. In fact, in fact, now one of the articles I thought was written by the overlords saying something along the lines now that people actually have to work from home, they see how difficult it is. Difficult. I'm, I haven't been happier in 10 years than I was today. Working from home. And I tell you something else, I was more productive. But I understand office culture, the bad, the, 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 but generally I'm siloed. This is a show of silos. Why the fuck do you think Blevin Flip Monk keeps coming in? <laughs> You know, you love me too much, man. <laughs> I've been to your pages. You do know, you do know that you now have a coterie of people trying to find out who you really are, including the lawyers at CBS, you dumbass. <laughs> uh, now, whether you'll share that information with me, I don't know. But we'll get to that in a bit. Because you know he's still looking, even though I've, I've banned him. Or the, he, he commented on the lawyer. He went out of Eugene S. Robinson went on a banning spree. <laughs> don't you realize I don't like you and I'm happy to see you? What does that tell you? We're going to talk about you too. It's going to be great. You can put a timestamp on it and show all your friends. I can't do the plural. Friend, that's me. I'm your friend to the end. Anyway. Anyway, um, so um, so we're panicked. We'll do everything. Abrogation of civil rights. We're willing to. Now, my friends who were, uh, and this is, doesn't so much go for Genghis, but Jim, uh, Jim Rawls, um, he, he, he is me in macro. Like, I, I, I don't feel like really relinquishing easy access to straight roads. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have easy access to straight roads upon which I could drive my 65 Chevy at high speeds. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to trade that for being able to have him spend January in 10 foot high snow drifts on the outside chance that something like this happens. Do you understand that these could be two, two accessible and equally viable ideas. It is a serious threat, and it is being manipulated for ends. Both of those things are very possible, exceedingly possible. If you had money sitting around, excess money sitting around, you know what I would advise you to do? Buy. You know who called me on Friday? If this doesn't terrify you, well, it should terrify me more. If it doesn't terrify you, I'll tell you. My financial advisor called me for financial advice. <laughs> oh, Hillary. Hillary's a bad one. He's a, he's a bad one because... You know, to, to whom, what is, what is, what is, don't tell me it's concern for the American people because I don't want to believe. I, and I believe that more about Trump than I believe that about Hillary. Because Trump did B, C, D, E. How many golf tournaments and beauty contests are you going to go to? You know what I like? Maybe I'll try. I like to be president. Maybe I'll try that. I'm tired of hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein and having sex with 13-year-olds that I forced myself upon. Maybe I'll try something else with the dogged, the dogged, you know, pursuit of, of political power in, in the face of the fact that those you desire to give it to you are not interested in giving it to you makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. And, and the continued refusal of this family to let my head go also makes me nervous. Say what you want about Obama, but he's had the decency to go away. Even if he is greasing the skids for, for Joey B. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Psychopath. I'm the psychopath. 
So, uh, uh, and then something else, something else. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this, and I do this often uh, because it's in my head, and 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 I, I want to switch topics. I want to talk about, I want to talk about race a little bit. You know, I'm not a big race guy. I don't know what I'm interested in talking about, but I want to talk about something that I think is really interesting because, apropos of this, which means I'm switching topics just a little bit, but in the end, like a raga, you hear they all come back together. Light motifs. And I'm going to talk about uh, uh, Kid Nate has got us. Tomorrow, we do the second version of the Let It Roll podcast, where we talk about the ev- hip-hop evolution, this kind of Netflix thing that we, we watch, and we did, we're analyzing and breaking down the first one. And I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at, I'm having nostalgic feelings about the 70s in New York, and they show the burned-out lots and the, and the buildings that were torched in the South Bronx, which were pretty much single-handedly... Um, uh, uh, real estate insurance scams. <clears throat> and I start to think, you know, I, I'm probably the last generation of New Yorkers pre, pre 9-11, uh, let's see, pre 9-11, but post the return of the hipster, who remembers when white families comfortably lived in, in parts of Brooklyn, at the very least, other than uh, other than uh, Brooklyn Heights and Park, Park Slope, I remember when I could walk up to the Flatbush Avenue and go to the cleaners, and it was run by an old Jewish guy. And I could go to the butcher shop, and it was also run by an old Jewish guy. And the store in the corner was run by a Puerto Rican guy. I remember that. I remember the Italians running a bakery. I grew up in this neighborhood, and then something happened, and so I started to think, well, what happened? What happened? And I can't, I can't quite remember my history of return, but I think that a, um, I think that what happened is, let's see, maybe the Jews came first, and then the Irish, and then the Italians, right? And I could have, I could be wrong. I'm talking about immigration patterns through New York City. Chinese world came a long time. Doesn't matter. Chinese came, stayed. Chinatown in New York is bigger than ever. Own more real estate down there than ever. So what happens? So let's just say the Jews come first. They leave shitholes in 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 Europe where pogroms are a daily occurrence. They want to get out, and 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 they leave, and they come to New York City. Get into the shmada business. Shmada is a Yiddish word. Rags, clothing. And very few industries open to them. That was one of them. That and entertainment came, started the earth. Hollywood, early versus the Hollywood. We're in New York, out in Long Island. Oh, he's back. <laughs> Look at dude, man. Getting sexy. Getting sexy. I- I'm tempted just to leave you up there, man. I'm tempted up to leave <laughs> you up there. <laughs> oh my God! You know it's sad. It's sad. You should just, you should just like fucking embrace it. Embrace it. You know, embrace who you are. Embrace it. <laughs> You'll never succeed. There we go. And he's gone. Ah, he's gone. So they get established. They make some money. They don't. They definitely don't want their kids in the same business that you're that they're in. Kids become lawyers, become doctors. Anti-Semitism keeps them out of the Ivy League school. Doesn't matter. They make it anyway. What do people do who make it? They go. I want my kids to have better than what I had. We're not going to stay in this fucking Manhattan. I want something like in the old country where I got a tree and I got a lawn and I got a lawn and I got a tree. And then they, they move out to the island where all the great Gatsby stuff took place. All, all that stuff. They buy houses in Mineola. All that stuff. To be successfully followed by Italians. I don't know if that's the order. 
let's just say, let's say Italians. Same process. Italians, garbage, garbage men, gardeners. I, I'm not saying this off the top of my head. I, I grew up in New Rochelle, Westchester. In, in 1965, I remember these guys. They were Italian, gardeners, drivers, mechanics, old joke. What was the old joke? <laughs> hey, I went to I went to my Italian mechanic, asked him for a rough estimate. He beat me up. Boom. Right. What they say, you know, I don't want my kids to they like Bruce Cutler, John Gotti's attorney said who I interviewed. It's only three reasons to go into crime. Poverty, it's your culture, or you're a complete degenerate. You know, the ones who decided I want to leave this culture behind, if that was the case, they left behind. They went to the building trades, they rose, became lawyers, got the hell out. Or they started owning sanitation business, went to unions, and then, you know, rode the rails into organized crime, if that was the thing, but they got the hell out, moved to Jersey. Jersey. I, I, I screwed up the order. I think the Irish came first. But they made the same journey. So then what happens? Well, black folks were always here. They're always here. You, well, it was a hill in, in where the Cotton Club in Harlem used to be. They're, oh, no, it's here. We've been, we've been in, in, in New York since whatever, since the beginning. Christmas Attucks, the first guy killed in the Revolutionary War is a black cat. Been here forever. But suddenly there's this influx of blacks from the South which is where you get the typical, what people consider Ebonics or the black accent, which is, it's Southern affected English, inflected English. So, so, so they, 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 they move up and they, and something else starts to happen. Well, if I want to, if I want to buy low and sell high, what's the alternative to that? And Tana Hasey Coates talks about it. Well, how about I buy low, I sell high, and then I get them to sell back to me low. No, I don't know what a crack stream is. I'm sorry. So, um, what happens? They, you know, you don't want to look redlining. And they scare, oh, oh, this is a rarity. Well, I, I, I'll stop the show for this. I, it's rare that I get a text for this guy. Uh, no, I can't answer it now. Oh, ha, huh, racism, nah, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I just interviewed a racist directly. And so they scare the, the white folks and they say, you're getting old. Do you really want to grow up? Are you want kids around these people? It's again, my theory, it's not race. It's about class. The poor folks up from the South, people don't want to live with poor folks. Black folks moved out too. But the cycle that, re, that regenerates these people into, into suburban Pita tears, and I guess it's not a pita tear if you if you if you just live there all the time, was denied. So you have the persistent problems of the of the of the underclass, and suddenly, what I can't remember what that thing is. It's a suction pool. Uh, suddenly, now you have these neighborhoods that serve as as you know incubators for you know intergenerational poverty and misery. And even then, the the rising and advancing of the human spirit. They, 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 they take that degraded state and manage to turn it into something. We're going to give them chicken guts. We're going to give them pig guts. Ah, that's going to do something with that. We're going to make it wonderful. Southern. Ah, give them chicken out. She knows wants to eat chicken out or chicken fat. Wonderful. Hip hop. So the only problem, and I'm going to say this on tomorrow's show, the only problem is that people show up, they sell this thing called hip hop, that's a reflection. It, it was like the Chitlin circuit back in the 50s, like race music before Alan Freed discovered black music. It was like a way for transplanted black Southerners to, to, to relate to where they had come from. And in the same way, hip hop was an early reflection in the neighborhoods that even though you're working, you know, your middle management job, your marketing job down in Manhattan, you could kind of touch base with your youth. 
but then it got sold everywhere. Like dealing with an editor who tried to change my novel, a long, slow screw. What did the guy say? What did he say? He said, ah, oh, you know, you probably want to make the changes, Eugene. You know, it's called selling the book. Yeah, that's why, that's why I went with a small publisher in England, a small publisher in Paris, and a small publisher in, in Italy. Because I don't want to make those changes. What's the point? They can make those changes when they make the movie. I don't have to make the changes now. So, you know, so the question is, and I brought this up on the show before last, the question is, I wonder if, if like the generations of uh, Jewish, Irish, and Italians, if when, you know, um, the black folks who can cycle out of these neighborhoods, the Jay-Z's, the Dr. Dre's, if, if, they, if they cycle out, I remember Dr. Dre, uh, it was a Snoop Dogg, made some song making fun of Easy e and about how you, you or Ice Cube made some song about Easy making fun about how you, you got out of the hood. Evander Holyfield, who I interviewed for the fight book said, yeah, yeah, you you get it. Once you make some money, don't go back to the hood. The pro, the problems of the persistent underclass, class, 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 keeps coming up, not race, are so pervasive, lock the doors of the car, get the fuck out. And that is a discussion that we should be having when we have a discussion about COVID-19, because that's what we're talking about. Where everybody keeps talking about lowering the curve, right? It's like a run on the bank. They don't want us all going to the hospitals at the same time. You know who's not worried about going to the hospital at the same time? People who can afford their own private doctor on retainer. Those people are not worried. And moreover, those doctors that they retain are happy to be retained by them. Why do you think they do whatever they say? Why do you think Michael Jackson's doctor was whatever, shoot up whatever, Prince's doctor, take whatever, do whatever. You got to take whatever, do whatever. It's the greatest gig ever. You don't have to see anything but one patient and it's a pretty easy gig. Why? Because class gets you the best healthcare money can buy. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what the wife is saying. It's like, you know, you can go to Poland, people vacation, what do they call it, uh, 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 surgical tourism, something, medical tourism is what they call it. So what I'm saying is, there's this book here, Julius Lester was a family friend, a friend of my cousin Leslie's. And it's a book called Black Folk Tales. And Julius Lester went through some crazy things later. Nothing criminal like Neil Tyson DeGrasse. But there's a story in this book called uh, High John the Conqueror. Right? And this kind of talks about what we talk about. Like, he, he was a slave, but um, he would do these things like one year he would work and he would make so much money for the master. The master would love him. And he goes, you know, I had it. The next year... He's not going to do anything. He's just going to fuck off. Well, forget you. I'm not going to do it. And so he, I'm going to read you a bit of it. Um, and so he gets, he, he had one of those down years and, and his slave master was like, fuck this guy. I'm going to get him killed. I'm going to get him killed. Right. And back then they had this thing called, you know, the, the UFC. Well, it was like the UFC. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just get to where he says he he volunteers John. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. I, I want to get to where he he. Uh, uh, well, Massa was so mad he could have killed John, but he couldn't see a way he could do it and make a profit. Right, the guy's costing me. He makes me money, but he costs me money. I want to kill him. I'm so angry with him. But uh, uh, um, yeah, yeah, you should buy now. If you have the cash, you should buy now. I'm telling you, I don't have the cash. I'm invested, but I hold. He wants to kill, but he wants to make money off it. He has an idea. He's going to book a fight. He was talking to another slave owner. He says, I, I got a slave that can beat any slave that you have. And he says, hey, you can't beat John. He goes, I'll bet you $25,000. It's a bet. So this huge fight breaks out and people start coming all over. From, uh, they find out that the baddest slaves from Mississippi are going to fight. 
So all the white folks come. The governor is coming because they love this stuff, right? The governor is coming, and uh, the master kind of looks out one day and expects to see John training. Obviously, John was stretching out on the grass eating some chicken. He says, uh, well, uh, John, uh, you better get ready for the match. He's eating the chicken. He goes, I'm ready. He goes, John, where did you get that chicken that you're eating? He goes, funniest thing, the chicken just walked into my house, and I was trying to chase it out. You know, that chicken got so scared, it jumped right in the skillet of hot grease I had on the fire. And before I could do anything, it was all fried up. So I had to eat it. So they all they have this big fight. And, and, and this guy that they bring to fight John is like a specimen. It's like 250, 60 pounds back in the day when you didn't have people that big. People were fainting he was so big. Scared. And the master was like, oh, John's going to get his. But no John. No John. He's like, oh, if he runs wild. He, finally, match time comes about 10 minutes before. And John shows up dressed like he's going to his own funeral. He had black patent leather shoes on with spats, red trousers with a red coat, a white shirt, a black string tie. He had a hand-carved cane studded with diamonds. <laughs> that was a picture that I showed you. <laughs> he was wearing a Stetson hat and walking real slow, tipping his hat to everybody. He walked down the aisle to all, speaking to all the white folks. How you doing? Nice to see you. I haven't seen you since... Since you sold my mom, ever <laughs> since you sold my mom, how you doing? Yeah, hey, I haven't seen you since you whipped my sister, and then you rubbed her cuts with vinegar. <laughs> it's funny, funny. Mm. He greeted all the white folks, and he he stepped out in the center and looked around. He pretended like he hadn't even seen Andy. That's a two hundred fifty pound guy who was snorting like he swallowed a box of snuff. He looked around until he sees the governor. John sees the governor, and he walks over purposefully. Walks over to the governor as fast as he could go, looking mean. John crawled over the governor's wife, stepped on the governor, and hauled off and slapped the governor's daughter. Pow! He hit that girl all upside the head. Hit her so hard that her blonde blonde hair turned brown. I'm reading. She was cross-eyed for the rest of her life. Pow! He smacked her again. And he says to her, girl... Didn't I tell you to stay at home and not come out here today? What do you mean disobeying me? And he smacked her one more time. See, this is this book was published in not so politically correct. This book was published in like 68, 69. Well, when Andy saw John hit the governor's daughter, he flipped out. Ran, he, he ran out because he said he knew he couldn't beat John because if John was tough enough, to slap the governor's daughter, a white woman in Mississippi, that he was bad enough to beat him. So I tell you that story because this whole show has fundamentally been about fear. Let me talk a little bit about Blevin Flip Punk. This is what you've been waiting for, Blevin, isn't it? So Blevin, not realizing he's dealing with an award-winning journalist, what Blevin has done is with a fine-tooth comb, Go through the stuff I've said in the show. Now, there are three types of secrets. There's a, the Hitlerian secrets. There's a type I keep from you. There's those we share and about future events as yet unknown. All right. So, um, given to the, the reduced uh, Mike Kogan, if you remember, we had on an old knuckle up. Mike Kogan, who used to be at, uh, well, he used to rep a bunch of fighters, and then I, I forget what he's at, Strike Forces. Well, he's at Bellator now, Kogan is. And, and he had this whole problem with the Jose Aldo uh, nigger thing. But I love, I love Kogan. Uh, but, you know, he's a Russian guy who grew up, came to Florida, and doesn't know that he he's white, that people think he's white. I know he's a kind of Russian Jew, so... I understand, you know. I, I don't think he's white either. <laughs> so the whole Jose Aldo thing, he lost the Reebok deal, whatever. I understand there's secrets that we have, that we share, and about future events as yet unknown. So what I say about the show is like the, the Cabaret Voltaire show. I say, 
I'm the last truly free voice in America. The last truly free voice in America. But unlike maybe somebody's spouter off of the cuffers, I don't dissemble. I do not lie. I'll tell you the truth. People lie, like, like Bruce Cutler said, because they're afraid, because they're trying to avoid punishment, and because they're trying to, you know, uh, forestall criticism, maybe, build up a character. I can tell you that some of the most honest moments I've had in my life have been here on this show. Because I got nothing to fear from you. In fact, my whole life has been a living testament to avoiding that kind of fear. Being disowned by my father when I was 18 helps. Same year that my mother, sadly, also, she and I got into a problem, disowned me. That only lasted a couple years with my mother. And then 12 years, about 10 years later. But by my estimation, life is too short to spend it. Oh, you've been listening a long time since the car episode. So you know this to be the truth. Now, I may say stuff that doesn't end up being right when I make picks with almost my yeah, pick, pick hitting. Hit, hit. <laughs> this is a word I'm trying to find. Most of my picking of fights, hit picking, that's what I think I was trying to say, is now on care, don't care, but I get those wrong. It's not like I'm lying. It's like I'm saying things that don't end up coming true. I make mistakes. But I always couch the possibility of a mistake within that mistake. So if I'm talking to you, <laughs> yeah, or it was a laptop or some, sometimes a phone on the steering wheel. So when I'm talking to you about Connor McNuggets, I'm talking to you about stuff that's been told to me and it's presented to you as stuff that was told to me. Yeah, when I talk to you about Chris Weidman, I'm telling you stuff that was told to me. The issue is not responsibility or irresponsibility. The issue is, are you, are you, are you paid to play or are you not paid to play? Truly free voice in America means I'm broke. But after being, it's like that great song, uh, poem by Bukowski, where he's talking about uh, it's not the big things that cause a man to 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 lose his mind. It's the small things, the shoelace that shoelace that breaks with no time left. But he starts out with all the things that the character has lost. Same same in the same like two month period that my father disowned me. All my girlfriends dump me. Yeah, I, I'm mindful of the fact. Then I said all oh, my girlfriends, but it doesn't matter. They all dump me. And you learn something valuable about yourself, yourself during, during those moments. Or moments like now, face-to-face -face with COVID. Mass cataclysmic order. You remember that scene in Enter the Dragon when Dr. Han finally gets Bruce, elevator things uh, 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 slide down, and, and you know what he does? He's been fighting for like 20 minutes. He sits down, cross-legged on the floor, and that's it. That's it. That's been my attitude throughout life. I lived in a garage in 1984. They charged me $50 a month for. They gave me a stern talking to. The people in the house who were my friends who let me live there said, we don't want this to turn to Eugene Robinson welfare house. I come from there from living in my van. And fundamentally in my head, I'm still there. There's nothing you can take from me. There's no punishment that you can inflict on me. And there's nothing you can scare me with. I, I have been a pro I've been scared in the past 30 years, approximately three times and I wrote about them. When the mafia guy threatened to crack my skull in the midst of a roid rage, 
when I was 170 pounds in Minneapolis, another Roy, Roy Ray situation, strangely enough. And then some bad boy stuff that I don't care to talk about. So what Blevin Punk, Flip Punk does, who likes to fashion himself in a burst of, of egomaniacal <laughs> ideation as the Matt Drudge of, of MMA, he likes to go through and take what he, I'm sure, feels are wild claims, pull them out, cite them, or in the case of Chris Weidman, make pornographic memes of African-American men having sex with white women and then sending them to Chris Weidman's wife as though I sent them or as though this was a topic of the entire show. Like Jeff Galuli said, Tanya Harding's husband, come on, officer, I got nothing. However, there is one thing, kind of man we're dealing with, because clearly he's allied with like some kind of whatever. Something got under his bonnet, or maybe it was just a tingling feeling he got when he saw me. <laughs> yeah, that caused him to do. So whether it was Conor McRapist, or whether it was Chris Weidman, you know, or whether it was uh, the stuff I said about Bellator or Scott Coker. I love Scott Coker. I've been writing about Scott Coker for as long as Scott Coker has been doing shows, even before Strike Force. Go to Ozzy, Ozy.com, and type in Scott Coker's name. I love Javier. I wrote, I've been writing about Javier since 1997 in GQ magazine, the first national I issue to cover MMA. Sean Penn was on the cover. You can find it online. And despite the fact that he said some unkind things about me recently, I actually love Mike Kogan. Mike Kogan is the one who came on the show and was, ah, I'm going to do your fucking stupid show. Nobody listens to you anyway. And he started talking shit about Eddie Alvarez before the show ended and he got home, his phone blew up. I was like, ah, I guess nobody listens to the show, huh? <laughs> we trained together. But my friend who was undersecretary of defense under George W. Bush, Michael C. Durant, somebody's nice to you, you're theirs forever. Conversely, if somebody's not nice to you, they're yours forever. I made up that second part. He just said the first part. Many of you on this show are fucking living, living testaments to that. I almost got into a fist fight with a promoter once, except, except, except um, this promoter happened to be a, a, a trans man, uh, a trans woman. But this promoter forgot in the midst of an argument, suddenly presenting me with a contract, saying that I had to sign a contract. We work with a booking agent. The booking agent said nothing about the contract. I said, great, let me call the booking agent. Uh, uh, she stepped to me. Um, like she wanted to fight me. I think maybe forgetting. And I said, I think you should sit down before both of us get hurt. And I meant you physically and then me in the court of public opinion. So what happened? What happened after that is a trans promoter then gets online and says, Eugene Robinson is, is, a, is a woman beating piece of shit. And this is what happened. And you know what happened after that? Nothing. You know why? Because you could find no one to support that claim. On the Secretary of Defense said it best. You're like a dog. Somebody's nice to you. You're there forever. That's it. I consider Kogan a friend. I consider Javier a friend. I consider Scott Coker a friend. I don't hurt my friends. I don't know Chris Weidman. I, and I don't know Conor McRapist. Generally, at this point in time, I don't want to know guys who spend their time sexually abusing women. 
So that rules out Conor McRae, rapist. Chris Weidman, I love that guy. I love that guy. I went from disliking him to loving him. The list of people who I like and don't like is free-floating, you know, for different reasons. So I get on the phone with the attorney from, from CBS, who's a great attorney, Mr. Pineda. You don't need to know his first name. We start talking about all the uh, 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 analytical uh, uh, analytics that are being run. Trying to find you, Blevin Flip Funk, Monk. Because apparently those emails that you got, those are private emails. And of course, you emailed my wife. We talked about that. But then he, 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 he you know, he's like sagely, he was like, hey, could you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I got you. I help my friends. Don't hurt my friends. But what's noteworthy, Mr. Flip Monk, and I'll let you stay next time you come in. You can stay as long as you want, but you interrupt me, and that drives me crazy. You don't interrupt me. I don't care. You, you stay. You could, you could fart in the wind. I don't care. But friends. Friends. You might find it handy in the long run, like Ian Mackay. You might need them in the end. Hiding behind a screen name, different locale, burner accounts. For what reason? Who am I? I'm nobody. Where are you? You're nowhere if you're not amongst friends. You're just here watching me. In any case, what I suggest you do right now is go wash your hands. Wash your hands, get some warm water with salt in it. Put your hands in the warm water with salt after you wash your hands for 20 seconds. Rub it in your nostrils, around your mouth, or kind of around your eyes, not in your eyes. Drink a fluid, take a nap. I mean, fundamentally, the newspapers, the media is screwing with us. There's this article, 21-year-old dead, because most people know it's supposed to be old people. Target zone, 70 and over. 21-year-old dead from coronavirus. Professional athlete. You're thinking, oh, my God, it's hitting a professional athlete. No, you have to take a nap after you wash your hands. And then you get, get a snack. And then it turns out the guy had leukemia. But, you know, you know, at the council at Von C, there was, a, there, was, there was that moment where they sat around and they started talking about the Jewish problem. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Hydric said, well, you know what? All the signs seem to be pointing in one place. And if I'm going to be the one who's bold enough to say it, I guess I got to say it. How many millions of people live in China? How much of it, the Italian population is aged versus how much of the American population is aged? How much of the Chinese population is aged? Entitlements, Social Security, health care, predominantly used by what age group? This is a Thanos moment. Hard to say. What are you going to do about the problems of the persistent underclass is what I asked a financial advisor, some guy at some big finance firm the other day. What are you going to do? Everybody 70000 universal basic income. What are you going to do? He's like, well, you know, I said, no, what solution are we talking about? Is there an end solution or a final solution? Listen, like my friend, the, 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 uh, the Soviet Georgian guy said to me, he said, in defense, semi-defense of Stalin, said, no, 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 Trump is looking nervous because he's realized the size of the machine that he's fighting. He said in defense of Stalin, my Soviet Georgian friend, he said, hey, it's hard to care about one person. Never mind a hundred million. Boom! That's it.
You want to know what the whole show was about? That. It's hard to care about one person. Never mind a hundred million. Want a nice big tasty omelet? Got to break a few tasty eggs. And I, I tell you, honest to God, despite my advanced age, I wouldn't care as much, but I got people who I love who are in compromised groupings. My mother, over 70. Yeah. My wife, who is pregnant. I love these people. Want them around. So I wash the hands. I dip them in salt. I rub the salt around my nose and face. And for a couple of days, I won't go to jujitsu. Sorrell said, well, okay, 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 you can go, you can go, but don't unlock the door and don't turn the lights on. I go, what kind, kind of fucking bullshit? <laughs> and if anybody comes by, run out the back door and lock it behind you. <laughs> man, you know what, man? I, I, I can miss a few days, bro. I can miss a few days. I've been doing this for 20. I've been, I've been fighting the boys club since I was 13. I'm 57, soon to be 58 years old. I can miss a few days. I don't want to miss a few days, but I can miss it. Anyway, that's six minutes over. V105. Hey, hey, before I leave, the person who texted me during the show was uh 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 John John Nash. Uh, um and I get I'm getting all kinds of text alerts. Chris Weidman versus Jack Hermanson has not been canceled due to the coronavirus. Who's sending me this stuff? And then I got another one that says, uh, have I talked to Spencer Fisher? Who is Spencer Fisher? Why is John and why is John Nash asking me who Spencer Fisher is? Does anybody know who Spencer Fisher is? Ah, uh, uh, yes. Oh, I got somebody's watching the show actually texted me. That's good. I thought it would be Blevin Flip Pump. We could talk. I would give him my number to chat with you. I'll talk with anybody. I don't like you. Yeah, no, that's my fault. I thought it was the Fisher King, but that's not the same guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spencer King Fisher, the lightweight. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, good, good. Thank you. I'll, I'll text him back. Anyway, the show's over. Thanks for listening. This is V1. Whoop. Oh. Five. I am your host, Eugene S. Robinson. If you want to follow me at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, Mr. Sleep 3 uh, on Instagram, but that's gate kept. And you can't do that thing where you send me an invite, but you're locked. So I got to trust you first on this one because the spies, you got to do it. So I see you first and then I'll let you in. Patreon.com slash the stomper. It's all over Facebook. After I get off the show, I let June know that I finished. She'll put it up everywhere. Tomorrow night, If the Shoes Fit, followed by uh, half an hour for If the Shoes Fit, followed by the Let It Roll podcast. And I'm not sure if it runs live. I think you, you get, if you donate like a dollar to If the Shoes Fit, you get to watch Let It Roll free. Well worth it. Entertaining. If you like music. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Look what you made me do!